Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. Today's going to be a fun episode. A few days ago, I posted on both Facebook and Instagram an invitation for you guys to ask me anything. And I got a ton of great questions about motivation, body image, my aspirations for primal potential, the tiny house I'm building, vegan fat loss breakfast options, menopause parenting, you name it, you asked it, and today we are going through those questions. I have hit record. I'm going to keep an eye on the clock, answer questions for the next 40 minutes, and then whatever I don't get to will be the next episode with the remainder of the questions. I love this. I love answering your questions because I know you have them, right? There are questions, concerns, things you're struggling with. So if you have a question and you have not yet asked or I haven't answered it, go ahead and comment in the show notes over on primalpotential.com and I'll keep adding in these episodes every few weeks or so. But I am going to take the next 40 minutes to answer the questions that have come in thus far. Whatever I don't get to, I will get to, it will be the next episode. Let's dive in. The first question might be one of my favorites, or at least one of the ones I am most passionate about. It says, how do you plan to teach health and fitness to your child in a way that is emotionally supportive, but also pushes them to understand and respect the science of how our body works. I think it can be a fine line, especially if you've had a tough time with this as a kid. Oh my gosh, could not agree more that it can be very challenging. And this is something I give a lot of thought to, even though I don't have kids. In fact, not only do I think about it, it's something I really practice now even though I don't have a family, because I've given a lot of thought to what would have made a difference when I was a kid. I struggled a lot. I've had my mom on the show. I've had my sister on the show talking about a lot of the things my mom did with good intentions, but really, really awful and downright damaging execution uh, because she didn't know better, because there wasn't information and there weren't really people talking about it. And I was a heavy kid. So this is something I really practice now, and it begins by practicing the way I think about food, the way I think about my body, the way I think about mindset. If I choose a thought, even something as seemingly benign and from my history really common, something as benign as, ugh, I'll start tomorrow, as a way of justifying writing off today, I will ask myself, is that a way I want my kid to think? that it's this all or nothing, either it's a good day or a bad day, that I can put off self-care for a fresh start tomorrow? No. 
no, God, no. That was such a slippery slope that I really struggled with for most of my life. So I'm aware of that, that the way I think about food, about my body, about my health is very much the way they probably will, too. Kids are exposed to far more indirect messages than they are direct messages. My kids, any kids, are going to observe more of the things I don't say, just how I behave, my mood, my perspective, then they're going to hear direct messages and lessons and things I teach them. So what they observe in me and my perspective really freaking matters. So if it's not a way that I want my children to think or act in terms of thinking about food, thinking about themselves, then it's something I want to actively work on changing now, right now, not tomorrow, not next week, not after the first of the year, today. Any thought process, pattern, choice that I wouldn't want them to see, mimic, and have as their own pattern of behavior, as soon as I notice it, that is my opportunity to make a change, right? I don't want to be a do-what-I-say-not-what-I-do kind of parent, so that is number one. Number two is related to being as healthy positive and happy as I possibly can be. Because from my perspective, in my opinion, that is the most powerful way to influence my kids. So for now and for then, am I making choices, thinking, acting, choosing, living in a way that sets me up to be as healthy, positive, and happy as I can be? For example, if I am eating salmon and Brussels sprouts it's because it's delicious and I want to and it's what I choose and it makes me feel amazing as opposed to, ugh, I'd rather have pizza, right? In every choice, in every perspective, I want to be happy, healthy, positive, period. Similarly, though, if I'm eating pizza, it's because I want to and it's delicious and I'm savoring it, not, oh my gosh, I'm such a pig, I'm gonna have to work this off tomorrow or I'll be better tomorrow. No, I am... They're fully enjoying what I am doing with full ownership and a good attitude. I'm not a victim of my choices. I'm not a victim of self-care. It's not a burden. It's a choice. And it's a choice not to fit into a certain size jeans, but to be healthy and energetic and positive and happy and empowered. Number one for me in terms of the example I want to set is confidence. And that is something that I can't just decide that, you know, when my kids are old enough to know what I'm talking about, that's when it matters. It matters now. It matters today before I have kids because it matters tremendously for my own life. Never mind for the example I want to set for kids I don't have yet. I ask myself regularly how I'm going to be a confident woman today, what those choices look like, what that attitude looks like. That's work I'm doing now and I will continue to do for the rest of my life because I want to be confident. It sucks to lack confidence and because also I want my kids to be confident. A lot of my own food struggles as a kid that I carried on into my teenage years, my young adult years, my adulthood, even now, A lot of them came from the fact that I did not feel good enough and I lacked confidence and I was hiding, desperate to change myself and to be different. And I think that self-love and self-care really require confidence. So I practice this 
every single day. Do I nail it every single day? Good God, no. But I practice confidence every day, not just with food choices. For example, when I go into the gym, I practice being confident with whatever the workout is. I practice not responding by telling myself, oh my God, this is hard, I can't, I don't want to. I practice saying, here we go, gonna give it my best, right? We always do high fives or fist bumps with people in the workout before we get started, before they start the clock. Every single time, I don't say good luck, I say have fun. Lots of people don't say anything or maybe they have a look of like, oh my God, we're going to die. But to me, confidence is I'm doing this to have a great time and I'm going to show up and give my best effort, whether I crush the workout, whether I come in last, whether I'm using the heaviest weights in the class or I'm one of the slower people in class. It doesn't matter. I am there confident in the fact that I'm going to give it my best and determined to have a good time. I practice confidence when I look in the mirror. I practice confidence when I get dressed, right? Being confident does not mean I can't want more for myself and I can't have greater goals for my body, but it's going to be really hard to create change if you're miserable. So I want to stand tall no matter where I am in my journey and choose to see what is beautiful, strong, and capable and awesome about myself. Not only will that help me be happy, But it's absolutely a powerful example to set for my kids. It teaches them a ton without words, but it's not a a switch I'm going to flip once I have a five-year-old. It's something that takes time to create. It's something I practice now, not just for them. In fact, not even mostly for them, but also for me, because I don't think you can hate your body to change. And loving your body does not mean you don't want it to change. But I refuse to be miserable along my journey. I'm always going to want something more. I'm always going to want something better, whether that's related to my thighs, whether it's related to my strength, my endurance, whatever it is. And I refuse to be miserable along the way. As for direct messages, like how will I teach my kids about health? One thing I know for sure, and there's a lot I don't know, is that there won't be these good food, bad food connotations at all. But at the same time, Dessert and treats aren't going to be a daily thing because if you grow up expecting dessert after dinner or sweet snacks every day, that's an expectation. It's a real hard pattern to break. You see that as like this, you know, really, really special thing and everybody wants the special thing. But if they grow up where those things are enjoyed and really, truly enjoyed without any drama or like, oh, I'll be better tomorrow or oh, I feel awful, then that's that's something too, right? It's a it's a treat and it's infrequent. But creating it is off limits. That means when they go to a friend's house and the stuff is freely there or they get to school, it's like forbidden fruit. And I don't want them to have those associations. I don't imagine myself teaching young kids about hormones or anything like that because it's really just about feeling your very best, right? And putting quality fuel in your body because that is the raw material from which your body operates. I like to think that we will be an active family going for walks and playing outside, not for the sake of exercise but for the sake of fun and having a great time playing games, not as my mom did to me, taking them to the track and standing there with a stopwatch when they're seven years old to see how fast they can run a couple of miles. Unless that's what they want to do, that's not what we're going to be doing. It's going to be about fun and games and playing together and being outside 
instead of sitting on our butts. Life is going to be about happiness and energy and fun and not about food and body weight. But that doesn't start when I have kids. That starts now, right? So I'm already doing the things and trying to practice the things that I think will be very important when I have a family of my own. So got a little bit wordy there, but this is something I give a ton of thought to, and I could go on and on and on for hours, but I think that's a good summary of my thoughts on raising my future children. The next question is, how do you motivate others to begin the journey of healthy living and weight loss in a respectful and supportive way? And then there's a second part to the question, how can you be a supportive partner if someone is on the journey? I don't think we can motivate other people. Maybe we can inspire them, but motivation is not like a gift you give. It's not something that is what we get from other people. Motivation is something that is created from within. So you cannot motivate somebody else. Motivation is created by action and it has to be your own. Can you inspire? Yes. Can you motivate? My personal opinion is no. I think the best way to inspire anybody is by taking impeccable care of yourself and being happy. Not being a vocal critic of processed foods or having a running commentary on your own process and your own goals, I often use the example of a lighthouse, right? If you think about a lighthouse, it saves a lot of people. But a lighthouse doesn't swim out into the water, grab the boats, drag them in. A lighthouse saves people by being a strong, steady light that others are drawn to, right? So when I think about my best ability to move others to desire, have their own desire to create action, I think about that that example of the lighthouse. Strong, steady, bright light that others are drawn to. That means I have a lot of work to do, always, Not just to be fit and strong and healthy and energetic, but a strong, bright light that others are drawn to. And I think we can all define that differently, and we should. But it's not about teaching people the facts of nutrition. Look, there's a ton of information. Information is not motivation. Information is not inspiration. So spouting out, did you know that when you eat that, this is what happens in your body? I think it comes across more as holier than thou, critical, judgmental, whatever, out of your own business in somebody else's. The lighthouse, strong, steady, bright light that other people are drawn to. Motivating others I don't think is the quest, right? Because motivation is something we all create for ourselves through action. And the best way to inspire is to be really happy on your path to healthy, not holier than thou, not a critic, but really embracing happiness as the path to health instead of, you know, health as the path to happiness. Really deciding every single day to be happy and confident, enjoying your journey while accepting others exactly where they are without being judgmental and without trying to change them. That is how I feel about that. Now, as far as the second part of the question, which is how can you be uh, supportive of your partner who's already on their journey? (laughs) My mom and I have joked about this, and we say we'll write a book about it, and chapter one is going to be called Be Quiet, and chapter two is going to be Shut Up. 
<laughs> and chapter three is going to be, shh, no, seriously, be quiet. I really think that the best way to be supportive is to be quiet. If they ask you for something, give it to them. Otherwise, be quiet. You can ask, what can I do to be helpful? And even if they can't articulate it, probably being quiet is the best way to be supportive. You can't keep them accountable, right? So being the food police might work for like a week. But generally speaking, it's going to build resentment. And ultimately, for long-term success, we have to be accountable to ourselves and not to somebody else, right? Be quiet and maybe more importantly, be kind, Be kind and at all costs, avoid being the food police and avoid being judgmental. Now, here is the big part. Even if you're judgmental only in your thoughts and you never express it, silent judgment is judgment and wrong, period, the end. If you find yourself, even with an internal dialogue or sense of good, bad, they should, they shouldn't, about what they are eating, not eating, when they're eating, how much they're eating, You've got work to do on you. So do that work and stay in your lane. That is my strongest, strongest, strongest advice. Hard right turn for our next question. And this came from a couple of people along the lines of, every time you share something about your tiny house, I want to know more. Would you do a podcast episode on your tiny house and why you are doing it? This is the extent to which I will do a podcast on my tiny house process because I don't really know what I would talk about for a full podcast episode. It seems a little bit incongruent, but I'll absolutely talk about it here because I do think that building a tiny house was inspired by getting out of debt and getting out of debt really inspired a lot of my physical changes with fat loss and also starting a business. Now, if you have no idea what a tiny house is, Google something like Tiny House Nation or something like that, and you can see what it means. So yeah, for those of you that haven't heard me mention it, I am in the process of having a custom tiny home built. I wrote a blog about it uh, earlier this week, so you can find that at primalpotential.com forward slash blog, Um, and it's going to be done in early January, which is crazy soon, a little too soon for me, Uh, but yeah, the reason that I am doing this in part is that I am a minimalist. I always have been. I don't like clutter. I don't like tchotchkes. I don't like junk, right? If it doesn't have a purpose and I don't love it, I don't need it, right? I don't have a big closet or a big shoe collection. And after my divorce, I had even less stuff than ever. In fact, if you were to open up one of my kitchen drawers right now, I think you would find that I have like maybe four forks and maybe one knife. I think I'm pretty sure I only have one knife, but I live alone, right? In the process of paying off my debt, I have been debt free for, gosh, I don't know, over five years, Um, started the business and remained debt free, remained debt free through my divorce, even though... No, I didn't get any money uh, from my ex-husband. We just we just split. Um, so in that process of paying off my debt, I paid off about $130,000 worth of debt and have stayed debt-free since then. Then starting a business, losing a ton of weight, getting a divorce, all of that really showed me, reinforced for me that stuff, things, physical possessions bring me very little pleasure. And I will admit that there is a very short rush of like, oh, something new, when you buy something, but that high is almost never there after a few hours or certainly not more 
than a few weeks. So I have decided for myself, I want fewer things and more experiences. I want fewer bills, fewer monthly expenses, and I want to feel free to experience as much of life and travel and have real true experiences as opposed to more stuff. So for me personally, Going tiny is part of that realization because I won't have a rental payment or a mortgage payment. I am paying cash for my tiny house, and I've been renting for a couple years now. I pay an absurd amount of money for a relatively small place, so I'll have fewer expenses. That's going to allow me to be mobile, too. Now, I will not be able to move this particular tiny house myself behind my car due to its size. I wanted it to be a little bit bigger, but I can hire a trucking company to move it for me if I decide to relocate and live on the beaches of Hawaii, which is always an option in my mind. So really quickly, just to answer some of the questions in like rapid fire form about the tiny house, am I worried about living in such a small space? A little bit because it's so new, but not really. Because if I think about the rooms I live out of in my current apartment, I use very few of them. Like I'm kind of in the same couple of places over and over and over, and I don't really use the other spaces. And more importantly, if I hate it, if I hate the tiny house, I can sell it or I can rent it. So it doesn't feel like a huge risk. Um, Somebody asked, what are you most excited about with your tiny house? I would say that I am having this um, custom Murphy bed built. So when it's not extended out into the bed, when it's folded up, it's going to be a super cool desk. So I'm really pumped about that. And I'm really excited about the kitchen because, of course, I was able to pick out everything myself from the cabinets to the appliances. It's going to have a great big copper farmhouse sink. So that'll be really fun. Um, How big is it? It will be... Bigger than an average tiny house, it'll be 30 feet long, 10 feet wide, and it'll have a main floor master bedroom as well as two sleeping lofts. So I'll really be able to sleep two, four, six, like eight people if you include the couch and the living room. Uh, Will you have a composting toilet? No, 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 regular toilet like a regular house. Where will you put it? Are you buying land or renting land? I should have an answer for that at this point, and I don't yet because it's going to be done very soon. Uh, But I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Will you be featured on a television show about tiny homes? Oh my God, no. That is so not my style. I am just doing this for me. Um, All right, moving away from the tiny house topic. The next question is more about fat loss and maintenance. More specifically, it says, there's no excitement in maintenance. Is that why I struggle more now than when I was losing? All right. If your perspective is that there is no excitement in maintenance, I'm not surprised at all that you're struggling. Excitement is something you create. It's not something that comes with a particular phase. It is a result of a a perspective. Most importantly, when I read this comment, there's no excitement in maintenance. Food is more than fat loss, and life is about more than your weight. So if you look at food as only about weight loss or weight gain or maintaining your weight, or if your happiness is really predicated on your weight and your food choices, then you're going to be bored and or upset, unhappy most of the time. So let's back up from this idea that there's no excitement in maintenance. And let's say, let's begin with, how do you want to feel? How do you want to feel when you're getting dressed in the morning? How do you want to feel when you are laying in bed at night? At 2.30 in the afternoon, 
what would make you feel your absolute best? What does that feel like? How would you describe it? And now, obviously, I'm not talking to the person who asked this question, but let's just say, I want to be confident and I want to be happy and I don't want to be obsessed with food, right? Those are answers I hear a lot. So let's just pretend right now. What kinds of choices make you feel that way? Because if you are feeling blah right now, like, eh, it's just not exciting, then something has to shift. But the first place it has to shift is in your perspective. And then the second part of it is, are you eating foods you love? Remember that the goal that we're working towards, whether you're looking to maintain your weight or have fat loss or put on weight, It's about eating foods you love that love you back. So are you really enjoying your food? And if not, it's time to get creative. And alternatively, or maybe additionally, set a fun goal. I don't know who this person is or where they are in their journey or, you know, their their fitness level or whatnot, but maybe you want to be able to do 10 push-ups on your toes because that would make you feel super capable and strong, right? Or maybe you want to be able to do 10 unassisted pull-ups. Find something, anything to get excited about that nutrition helps you create. Maybe it's you want to have twice as much energy than you do now, right? Or you, I don't, anything. It doesn't have to be about size. It doesn't have to be about movement. But find something to get excited about, right? Or change your perspective to get excited about something that's already in your life. Finding new foods that are aligned with your goals, setting a new goal, having more fun, creating more confidence, change your perspective because excitement is something you create, not something that comes with fat loss but isn't present for maintenance. Get excited. Get excited. Find a way to get excited about where you are or where you want to go and it doesn't have to be about the size of your body because life, fitness, health, energy, confidence, it's about so much more than body weight. Okay, the next question is a more tactical one. Vegan suggestions, please, for breakfast. I don't eat pork or eggs. What other options do I have for a good fat loss breakfast? So my answer here will work for vegetarians and for vegans. You have so many options. Anything related to coconut, avocado, chia seeds, they will become your new best friends. Plant-based protein powders that have very low sugar, low carbs, cauliflower. You can do so much with these things. And the reason I throw cauliflower in there is because it is so, so versatile. And I'll give you a couple of examples of what I mean by that. I have made some really awesome breakfast shakes with just coconut, cacao powder, which is like unsweetened cocoa, and a little stevia. And when I say coconut, I'm talking about like coconut milk in a can or even coconut cream in a can. You could add vegan protein powder to that, right? You'll have to get a little bit creative if you want to include protein in your breakfast. But remember, you don't have to include protein in your breakfast. You can get plenty of protein at lunch and dinner if it's easier to incorporate protein into those meals. And certainly for a vegan, it is because you have more flexibility with carbohydrates at dinner when your goal is fat loss. And when it comes to like smoothies and stuff, I routinely add frozen cauliflower to my smoothies instead of ice. You could also do chia seed pudding. There are tons of recipes online for chia seed puddings. Just minimize or eliminate added sugars and fruit when fat loss is your goal. I just saw a recipe that I have to, have to, have to try for cauliflower 
note meal, right? So it's called note meal because it's like no oats, but it's an oatmeal type breakfast using cauliflower instead of oats. And it came from the back of the book, The Ketogenic Bible. And I don't have the author's permission to share the recipe, so I'm not going to do that because they put a lot of time and effort into their books and they are not free. So um, if you are looking for something like that, I'm sure Google probably has some options too. Or if you're interested in keto styles of eating, I highly recommend the book, The Ketogenic Bible. Anyway, it's very science-based, but when I saw that recipe, I folded the corner and was like, I am trying that one for sure, for sure. Um, Just a plain avocado is a great option with some salt. That always makes me happy. Or doing uh, an avocado style pudding or mousse with a little bit of cacao and stevia. Awesome option there with healthy fats. Or you could do bulletproof coffee, leave out the butter, and do either MCT oil or coconut butter. I just wrote a blog today, in fact. Well, not the day this podcast airs, but I recently wrote a blog that you can find on primalpotential.com forward slash blog with a fall coffee recipe that is a legit breakfast option. I just took coffee, blended it with coconut butter, cacao, and stevia. And of course, don't forget that fasting is always an option for some people for that first meal of the day. And I know this specific question was about veganism, but I know I also have a lot of vegetarians listening. I have done an episode on Primal Vegetarians. It's Q&A 20. So if you go to primalpotential.com and you search Primal Vegetarian or you just get back to Q&A 20, I used to not number the episodes the same way, which is why we're all screwy, uh, but that is the scoop there. Q&A 20 is on vegetarianism. Next question. I was wondering if you had any thoughts on differentiating between what you want, and what you should want. I've really been working on self-awareness and self-love without letting other people or other lives influence what I think is best for myself. But sometimes I struggle when making a decision or feeling confident in who I am when I'm trying to figure out if my thoughts are coming from me or from what I have ingrained in me of what others want. Okay. Here's my thoughts on this. I am a very objective girl, meaning I think about things in terms of facts first. I've trained myself to be that way in terms of thinking about things in terms of emotion first. The very first thing I would do if I were in your shoes and feeling like I was blurring the lines between what I want for my life and what I think other people want for me is I would make a list of the things I think other people want for me. What am I telling myself that others think I should do or be or have or not do or not be or not have? Now, realistically, most of this is probably based on your assumptions. Surely there are some people that say you should do this, be this, have this or not do this, etc., etc. But more often than not, these kinds of thoughts come from what we think others want for us. But write it out. Write out what you think are all of the things influenced by or dictated by other people. Then go through it and say, which one of these do I really want? And if you aren't sure, ask yourself, why do I want this? If you think, well, maybe I'm not sure, then go, well, why? What would this do for me? And how do I feel 
Do I feel energized? Do I feel me? How do I feel when I think about having, doing, being, getting this thing? And it can also be very, very helpful to bring this from the macro, the big picture, what do I want for my life, which can be super overwhelming and also very ambiguous. Bring it from the macro, big picture, to the micro, today. What do I want for my day? What is the best way that I can spend my day? What would make me proud? What kinds of things can I do today that move me in the direction that I want to go? Because sometimes we're just overcomplicating it. And when you find yourself struggling with a decision, ask, what is it that I really want? Or, and or, what would this choice do for me? What it would do for me, whatever that is, is that an outcome that I really want or not? That's where I would start. All right, tactical question up next. What would you want a menopausal 57-year-old to focus on as far as food? I only have 20 pounds to lose, but it just won't budge. It absolutely will budge. Absolutely will. It's just that you haven't employed the strategies that are going to set your body up to allow that fat to be burned. It is all about insulin. All about insulin. Making improvements to your insulin response and completely moving away from all the dieting hacks, tick, trips, to, I can't talk, tips, tricks, tactics, etc. What I would do first to be very, very practical, start with a journal. Journal for two weeks. Change nothing about your choices. Write down every single thing that passes your lips because you need that data. Then go through and highlight, circle, underline, whatever, every single thing you put into your mouth that triggers an insulin response. Focus most on the big rocks, the things that really drive an insulin response. Carbohydrates, bread, tortillas, muffin, chips, crackers, beans, sugar, sugar in drinks, in fruit, in candy, that mint you popped into your mouth, the syrup in your latte, dessert, alcohol, everything. Get super clear. And then also look at protein because remember that protein also drives an insulin response. Are you overeating protein? Are you eating when you aren't hungry? Are you going back for seconds because you really want to and it was tasty versus because your body needs fuel? That's the baseline information you need to start with. Then after you've done that, so two weeks later when you've done that, Listen to Q&A 6 on Fat Loss Breakfast and episode 195 on the Golden Rules of Carbs and Fat Loss and begin implementing those strategies, practicing every single day, creating consistency, not average effort, but true consistency of applying those principles. Okay, I am actually going to break up this episode here, even though we're a few minutes before the 40-minute mark. And the reason I'm going to do that is because the next string of questions are about exercise, activity, movement, getting started, my fitness journey, um, the best way to break up movement in a given week when your goal is fat loss, etc. And I want to keep all of those questions together. So in the next episode, we will kick off with movement, activity, workout strategies, getting started from nothing uh, in terms of not being active. But then we've got another whole bunch of, of questions related to schedules and when your schedule is totally chaotic. Um, when you've created success, but then 
find yourself falling back into old habits. We'll go into that. Uh, We'll talk about procrastination. We will talk about all sorts of different things, the scale, um, how you know if your weight loss goals are attainable or if you've really maxed out what your body is capable of doing in terms of change. We will dive into all of that stuff and some more personal questions about what I do for recovery, balance, stress reduction, etc. So stay tuned for those questions in our next episode. And as I said at the start, if you have a question that I didn't get to today and that you hadn't already sent, because those will be in the next episode, you haven't had a chance to ask me yet and you'd love to hear my two cents on, head over to the show notes on Prime potential.com and put your question in there. And I promise to do these kinds of episodes more so I can make sure I am getting to your questions. Have a great day, guys. A happy Halloween if you observe that. And I'll talk to you really soon. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Summer camp is a magic place where kids discover who they are because they have the freedom to explore on their own. Why Camp at Horse Thief Reservoir is a sleepaway camp in the heart of Idaho's wilderness. Each summer, campers make friends, build new skills, and learn to love the outdoors through activities like canoeing, archery, zip lining, rock climbing, campfires, and more. Registration for Y Camp at Horse Thief Reservoir is open. Financial assistance is available. Learn more at ycampidaho.org.